And now for the infinite question of how do we start this thing? How do we start? Good evening, gentle viewer. <laughs> the gentlest of viewers. Hello. Hey, what's... Hey. 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 I would like to reach through the internet to whomever might be listening, and I picture you in a disgusting New England town where sleet is falling and... Ugh, pissing from the sky. Mm. Yep. And you're thinking of a place that you'd love to escape to, where feelings are real... And emotions run high. So real. So high. And you picture a beautiful creek flowing with a sunset glistening mm-hmm. off the waters. Mm-hmm. We want to take you to that place. Mm-hmm. We want... We don't want you to wait one more second to go there. <laughs> don't. Don't wait. Act now. Um, well, hello, fellow friends and viewers in your disgusting New England towns. We are Dawson's Creeps, a best friend duo re-watching and reviewing the series that defined a generation one episode at a time. That's right, I'm talking about Dawson's Creek. Given that we say it defined a generation, you might assume, oh, you lovely ladies watched this when you were in, you know, late middle school, high school, when you were blooming, quote unquote, losing your virginities. (laughs) Some people, maybe. No, sir. We waited until undergraduate, (laughs) God, maybe the year 2008, 2009. Yeah, that sounds real. It all started with, well, first a nipple jug, a.k.a. (laughs) some sort of milk pitcher shaped like a breast where the milk came out the nipple. But adjacent to it, it all started with a plate. Zoe, you're the writer here. Could you paint a word picture of said plate? Gabby, I would love to. Uh, First of all, it was a plate found at a local thrift store. And it was a one of those like paint your own, uh, you know, paint fun time, make your own plates or Color slash, yes, slash ceramic items. And somebody, not any of us, some human had painted or, or uh, an array of Judaica all around it. Um, I believe there was like a menorah and a dreidel, and in the middle. And stop me if I'm wrong because I have already forgotten since we discussed this last time. But I believe it said, "I don't want to wait." And then also festooned around the edges were the lyrics of the Dawson's Creek theme. Or possibly just, I don't want to wait over and over again. Whatever. It was one or the other. I feel like whatever it was was repetitive in a way that was soothing and rhythmic, like a like, okay. a, um, like a mantra that sort of draws you in. <laughs> I believe it. it was okay. a square plate also. That's what my mind palace is bringing to me. Definitely a square plate. No doubt about that. And it was kind of like a sickly yellow color. Mwah. Yes, with blue writing, I believe. Yeah. And anywho, definitely pick that up because of our shared love of all things Jewish, um, being that we both came from a super Jewish neighborhood and school growing up. And, um, you know, the rest, as they say, is semi-history, except to say that we started um, we started watching Dawson's Creek because of the plate and because our roommate Ariel had already seen it. And then, uh, so we started watching kind of ironically, kind of in a funny, you know, laissez-faire kind of a way. And before long, uh, it had, this show had taken over in a very real, very obsessive way. Yes, it was, it was perhaps all too real for us. (laughs) All too real. I believe a lot of undergraduate angst was funneled (laughs) into this viewing experience and thus it cemented it to our hearts and loins i would say forever i would i would back you up in that forever thank you so much i like this (laughs) you are you wish you could see what i was doing because it's (laughs) 
It is interesting because the idea of watching it, like, ironically, I feel like both of us were definitely, I still do that a little bit, but in that phase of, like, watching terrible horror movies, I, I probably mm. was on the cusp of seeing The Room for the first time. Um, So that was, like, you know, we are capable of this ironic distance, but it was just for this sweet, sweet show. Right. That this, like, dynamic four slash sixdom, depending on how you define our core characters, just, <laughs> like, busted down those walls and we were in. Absolutely. Like I, this is, yeah, like you said, this is probably something like that has probably happened to us before or since um, where you like start watching something as a joke and then really are watching it seriously. But I feel like this was the archetypal moment for me where I was like, oh, like I really am connecting with this show. Yeah. And it's no longer a joke. And, and then, and then it blossomed into like, cause this was before streaming services. So we had to rent it either disc by disc from like blockbuster or one of our we each worked at an independent movie store at the time uh separate ones Mm -hmm. across town which is amazing it was sort of Um, a west side story type situation (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, totally thank you thank you for putting that in context for me um when you're a jet you're a jet all the way no that's it uh, um and so we either had to rent it disc by disc from the video store or even worse netflix wait by the mail with our tongues lolling out (laughs) right and god forbid the netflix the netflix disc arrive while one of us was at work because the other one would be like hey um so um brother turned against brother (laughs) so that is how um we got our start in dawson's creek so for those of you who might not be familiar with dawson's creek as a phenomenon I thought maybe I would take us back (laughs) to the creation of Dawson's Creek. Yes, I would love that. Uh, So you might be familiar with a little man named Kevin Williamson. Sure, who isn't? Writer of such hit films as Scream, and I Know What You Did Last Summer 2, I believe. Mm, mm, Classics. right around the time he'd sold the script for Scream, uh, he got some meetings with uh, TV executives, as they're known to you and I. And they asked him to pitch something uh, for TV, and he kind of was flying by the seat of his panties. He pitched them something based on his own childhood, living by a creek in North Carolina, being obsessed with Spielberg movies. Mm. And they optioned the script, and I I believe it was Fox that auctioned it, and they actually ended up passing on it in the long run because a little gem known as Party of Five was struggling in the ratings, and they... They didn't, they didn't really want another teen show. Then a little network called the WB came along and saw D Creek with no dance guard. Kevin Williamson had given up. He'd bought a dog and named it Dawson and been like, this is the only way this project will live on. <laughs> but then the, his, I believe it was his agent came to him and said that a, a man named Paul Stupin, who if you've ever watched this show, you know the name because as the credits roll and you digest everything you've learned, that's the name that first comes up that you scream into the abyss. <laughs> they all worked together and they got it on the WB and a renaissance was born. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so again, it's sort of based on his life. Joey is based on like a real life friend of his. Um, I believe a certain very scandalous subplot in the first season involving an older woman and a younger man, he claims is based on something that one of his friends experienced, which is oh, troubling. I can't wait to hear. I can't wait until we get into the meat and potatoes of the show to, to really figure out what... Uh, Kevin Kevin Williamson was trying to tell us. Yes, exactly. Um, so just to put you to put you there, it was joining Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, it premiered January twentieth, two thousand. Nope, 
January 20th, 1998. Wow, an incredible year. Was this, do you happen to know if this was a Charmed era? The era of Charmed? I believe Charmed jumped upon the bandwagon. Okay. So it was when WB was sort of building its stable. I see. So I think it is interesting. This seems like kind of a turning point of what teen shows were coming from like 90210 and then the more weepy party of five. I feel like Dawson's Creek has it all. Like I think Kevin Williamson said it was like 90210 and like Little House on the Prairie and like five other things that I ignored. But it has (laughs) it has the weeps and it has the intrigue boner material. I totally agree. I mean, we've definitely touched upon before that like, because once the creek ran dry and I no longer had episodes of Dawson's Creek to watch, uh, I had to fulfill that void in my life with something. And I did move to slightly, ever so slightly older show, like quote unquote teen shows like Party of Five and um, uh, Felicity. Which, like, were popular concurrently with Dawson's Creek, but definitely, to me anyway, Dawson's Creek has a lightness that those other shows don't. Even though the themes are not that different, like, maybe, like, definitely not that different from Felicity, for example. Um, Like, there are still, there are still difficult themes within the show, like Pacey's family, well, Pacey's family, actually. Pacey's family, Joey's family, um, all sorts of things. And... I think it's interesting that, yeah, I agree. Like, this is the turning point for sort of a serial drama or soap opera for teens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think some of that comes from the performances. Because, like, uh, I think you could argue here nor there with um, this happened last time. What's Dawson's name? IRL, the actor. James Vanderbeek. Yes, the Vanderbeek. Like, he did some great Kesha video work, but other than that, he's not killing it. But the rest of the cast is, like, you've got your Joshua Jacksons, who are in Fringe and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like, Horse Dad love stories. (laughs) The Affair. You've got got, um, Katie Holmes, who was, like, America's sweetheart for a hot second from Canada. In a Batman movie. got Michelle Williams, who's, like, a multiple... Oscar winner. So, yeah, I agree. They sparkle. They just sparkle. Stars. They're just like us. <laughs> I've also read some stuff, and I didn't do a ton of research on this end, but it sounds like there was a lot of upheaval with like Kevin Williamson was the executive producer for the first few seasons, but then um, there was a lot of shakeup in the writer's room like several times, and it sounds like there was a different head writer for every season. So, I wonder if that's also part of the sort of like loosey goosey feel of it is like it was sort of shifting between like brand new writers, and then like one of those writers would become the head writer and they would leave, and another writer who'd been there for a while. So, it was all just like in a state of. Flux. Flux. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that kept it fresh. I mean, it also probably accounts for some drastic shifts in tone in later years, which we will someday mm. encounter. <laughs> Perhaps someday if we can, if we're lucky. If we live that long. Okay, great. So again, we've, we've sort of situated you in the, in the ethos of the day, but to really take you back... <laughs> the night of the premiere of Dawson's Creek where everything changed for the United States of America. Like, this is our sliding doors <laughs> moment. I've, I saw that from another podcast. I'm so sorry. Oh, um, get out. It was a Tuesday. I believe the same day Buffy aired. I think it eventually went to a Monday. Doesn't matter. Uh, it was under the sign of Aquarius. So maybe Zoe will have some <laughs> insights there. Uh, the president was Bill Clinton. Great. Uh, Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden uh, was a big hit in the U.S. Never uh. Ever by All Saints was in the top five in the U.K., I feel like I know that song, but I can't think what the tune is. Um, if you like video games, Zoe Hyde. Uh, yeah, what's up? You were probably playing Banjo-Kazooie or... Oh, I for sure was, yeah. Yep. Gangsters, colon, organized crime. <laughs> 
So this is the scene onto which D Creek dashed. <laughs> this is the scene on which we begin our story. Mm-hmm. So I think are, are we ready to jump in? I feel I feel good. Let's do it. Let's Why not do it? Hell yeah. Oh, let me get my actual paper notes I took like oh, an old golly. person. <laughs> All right. This is episode one, the pilot, which I believe is also titled Motions in Motion. Is that what it was? Emotions in Motion? Yes. Yes. Great. Or perfect. Well, I'll and I have an alternative title for it, but I'll when that comes up, I'll let you know what it is. Lovely. And we jump right into the action here with uh, Dawson and Joey in Dawson's bedroom on the bed watching ET. It's ET, right? Mm-hmm. And it packs. I feel like that packs a lot of information into one thing. Like they're comfortable enough to be on the bed together, boy and a girl, but it doesn't seem romantic. They're watching mm-hmm. ET. Steven Spielberg is going to be a huge theme. And the line that he's saying is, "I'll always be with you," which is maybe something we ponder as friendships change and bodies change and we grow closer and further <laughs> apart. It's <laughs> all thematic. Further apart. <laughs> I see so much of my own precocious um, beginning slash um, currentings <laughs> in this scene when they're like talking about how like oh did this win the Oscar no it was Gandhi oh Spielberg was robbed like I don't know like oh absolutely who cares who won the Oscar <laughs> well it's also weird because it's like people complain that they don't sound like high school students like they sound like psychologists or whatever and mm-hmm. I don't think we talked like this but I do think this and Buffy like the dialogue in that affected the way we spoke so we mm. spoke in a way that was more similar to this than dissimilar but I think that was probably already starting but it's like a weird feedback loop where I think that's like a little exaggerated but I think then it influenced the way that we actually talked such a chicken and the egg process you know what I mean like who begat who am I right yeah, I mean, All you right. said eggs, All so right. I've tuned out right then because I got aroused thinking about your <laughs> eggs, but go on. Thinking about my eggs, wow, okay. Well, speaking of, this is the moment when Joey jumps up and is getting ready to leave, and Dawson asks her to stay the night in a platonic way, and she says, like, nah, not anymore, and it kind of escalates to her explaining that she feels they've gotten older and, like, their relationship's going to change. She puts it, uh, now we're 15, and we have school in the morning, and I have breasts, and you have genitalia. So, yes, and his counter to that is that he's always had genitalia, and she says, but now there's more of it. And he says, how do you know? And she says, you have big hands, and then changes long the subject. Long fingers, which is somehow long more fingers. disgusting. That is more disgusting. You yes. are correct. And that's going to come out multiple times, his long, long fingers. I just got a text from Chelsea from the next room that says, any idea where my witch hat is? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just a little glimpse that. into the life of a confirmed lesbo. <laughs> I'm not sure. Sorry. Anywho, so uh, that's the first mention of Dawson's assumedly large manhood, and it does make the bile rise in my throat. But you know what? You know what? I should not. I should. I should withhold my feelings about Dawson and let them play out. You know, via the show organically. Do you know that his hairstyle was based on uh, executives thumbing through a magazine and they saw a picture of Brad Pitt in a movie called, like, Enter the Devil or Here Comes Mr. Devil or something like that, where he had, like, very uh, layered, floofy hair, like unto Dawson. And thus, mm. they the article I read called it his infamous haircut was born. I don't know if it's infamous to me, but that's his origin story. I mean, he definitely maintains a version of it throughout the series. So, sure, I'll go with infamous. I think, for me, the man jewelry or moolery, 
uh, is a little more um, recognizable on brand, but sure. that could just be my taste, you know. Well, and uh, Vanderbeek, right? Vanderbeek, James Vanderbeek. Vanderbeek, yes. Uh, Vander Klink, uh, his mom made him that necklace, so it's cute. I cannot believe that. That's the most darling thing I've ever heard in my life, ever. Also, the fact that she says long fingers, like, unfortunately, against my will, it conjures a very specific <laughs> image in my head. Like, his genitalia is not only large, but long, like long and skinny, Ugh. like a linguine uh. noodle. And I'm not I'm not happy about it. I'll tell you well, that. Well, I do wish I was dead, but... Uh... <laughs> do you think Dawson Leary is cut or uncut? I don't remember if it's established oh, it has to be uncut. Has I, to be uncut. That's what I... And I picture, like, way too much foreskin just dangling off his uh-huh. long, skinny member. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this like really dark. Really dark. <laughs> like the the tone of his foreskin is really dark. Interesting. Like it's always half flooded with blood. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Anyway, I have to move on. This podcast <laughs> taking a firm stance for uh, <laughs> circumcision, I guess, which is fine. I I guess I'm behind that. Whatever you want to choose. Whatever you want to choose is fine. It's not bad that it's uncut. It's just definitely uncut. Like it's it's Dawson Leary's foreskin we object to, not yours, correct. gentle listener. Yes, you know, uncut, uncut, all, all God's children. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the beginning of by the end of this scene. So this is this is the beginning of Joey's like insane horniness that no one else like sort of seems to reflect mm-hmm. at times Pacey does we'll and we'll see about that later but like there's definitely a thing where Joey is a and I think it's sort of under the radar like this it's a read it's a how you read the scene thing I yes. read it as Joey reflecting an unbridled horniness that teenage girls experience yep. but you know we're told that we don't experience as a group Amen. Yes. And so that's what Joey's embodying in these scenes. And that's why she keeps bringing up sexuality. In such a confusing way. Because she's never going to say, I'm horned up. She's going to say, like, I'm worried our relationship is changing. And she's going to say all these weird oblique things while, like, wound so tight. Like, physically and mentally so tight. Yeah. And so it's like, she needs to remove herself from the situation before she, like, does something that she doesn't want to happen but she's gonna frame it in like oh the powers that be say we have to sleep not in each other's beds and i think it's interesting you mentioned uh pacey because i yeah i think you're right it's very different the way they express it so pacey's a character we'll meet shortly gentle viewer but um (laughs) joey as i said is like really tightly wound it's like kind of like you could read it as sexual you could also read it as like rage which i think is like what you're talking about about the possible different readings like she's just very tightly wound Mm -hmm. um or both but, like, both. Pacey is more of, like, a puckish, fun, horny most of the time, which, like, makes sense given, like, what you said about society telling women, like, don't worry, you don't have those feelings. So she doesn't really have a good place to put it most of the time. Right. But tonight she gives in and she does cuddle into bed with Fair Dawson. <laughs> with Fair Dawson. Only after he's like, don't go all female on me. Like, do I have to start calling you Josephine? And she, like, hops in for such horseplay, like... I don't think I ever horseplayed with this one ever, but definitely not after the age of 12. Like, yeah. she jumps on the bed and is like, oh, Josephine, I'll show you. And, like, tiny little ineffectual fists are just wailing on him. I mean, the only scenario in which I would say I've done that since childhood is, you know, to, like, try and get sexy. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Just two notes on um, the fashion setting us in the 90s moment. Uh, Throughout the entire conversation they're having about, like, their relationship changing based on getting older before she jumps, hops on bed to to punch at him erotically, she has a jean jacket 
draped like almost on, but just not quite on her shoulders that she can't fully commit to putting on. Um, and Dawson straight up gets into bed in his khaki shorts. Like, he's not taking his belt off. He's not changing. Knee-length khaki shorts are bust. I think she's in pants, too. Like, they're both in, like, straight jeans. Do you think she's wearing a bra? <laughs> of course not. Come on, Gabby. <laughs> she never wears a bra. Um, and then we go into the famous, if you're ready to leave this this heart-bending scene behind. I sure am. We go into... The credits that changed a nation, but sadly on Netflix, you don't get the original song. So this song has like kind of a special place in our hearts just because we've heard it so much. But it's not the iconic Dawson's Creek song that I think was such a big part of their um, success. And do you remember, I know we've tried to research and I know there's not clear answers, but is there like a suggestion of why they had to get rid of the song after the first couple seasons? So it is that, I don't want to wait, I don't want to wait, that they had to get rid of. So I think that the, the, the song that you see... As the opener for these, for like on the Netflix, on the Netflix, and on mm-hmm. every DVD box set that we listen to, besides the first one, yeah, um, which it's called, I believe, uh, Hearts and Barrows, something like that. By and What's it's by Jan Arden, huh? What's a barrow? Do you I mean, know wheel wheelbarrow? Oh, I didn't realize I, there was like a slang term for wheelbarrows. I think that's what it's called. Here, let me look it up. That's disturbing because I would always sing along hearts and arrows, so. You could be right. I think that makes sense. Uh, Opening to Dawson's Creek. Please hold. Okay, it's called, I was not even close. It's by Jan Arden. It's called Run Like Mad. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I just think it's a big fat cheat that Netflix won't play the real song on the first season, given that the DVD set it had on the first season. IRL it had it on the first season. I am writing to my congressman and woman. God damn it. I know. It seems like a weird thing about, like, um, having not acquired the rights. It says that the internet told me that Williamson initially wanted to use Alanis Morissette's One Hand in My Pocket. Yes. Yep. I can so see that, too. As the theme. Um, and... But they never acquired the rights. And then I think that paradoxically, by the time it came to make the DVD sets and streaming, because of the fame that the song had enjoyed on Dawson's Creek, they could no longer acquire the DVD rights. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was so too a certain expensive. someone got too big for their britches after they made it big <laughs> with Dawson's Creek, I guess. Something like that. I mean, it's probably got to do with like streaming stuff, too. I know that people are like, nobody makes any money off of streaming. But anyway. Yeah. I know it was also a big deal if you were really into Roswell the way that certain of us were. Uh, that was <laughs> a big deal when the DVD sets came out. They couldn't, because all their episodes were dripping in Sarah McLachlan. So their DVDs were like totally butchered. Oh, God. Yeah. So I think it's 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 a, a casualty of that sort of things getting. Weird transition. Yeah, rights transitioning to DVDs and specifically streaming, I believe. Although, yeah, probably. I I could. I, we can move on really quickly, but I just. I, it's also. I wonder, like now, because I feel like we're in this peak TV moment. Maybe I'm just not watching the right shows, but it's hard for me to picture a show now being aired on television where they wouldn't have it cleared so that it eventually could be on DVD or like streaming with the music it has now. Which I guess like I no one on Dawson's Creek. It was 1998. No one like knew of streaming. They knew of VHS tapes, so that's probably part of it. But I also feel like there's so much more like money and production that goes into TV shows in this era of peak TV. No, totally. And I, I mean, I assume that that is part of TV stuff now. I mean, 
I could be wrong, but I think when something airs like on TV, the, all the rights are in place that say that something will happen once it goes to streaming. But I I don't know because I'm not a TV person. Sure, I'm, sure, just sure. A, I'm just a shithead. <laughs> well, be that as it may, um, the initial song, the Paul Coles, I don't want to wait, is an incredible classic. There is a soft spot in my heart for Run Like Mad just because I watched it so many times and now I've connected it to the show. It does have like a very, I agree, I have the same feeling, but it also has like objectively a very whiny sound to it. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, it sure does. I also, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think I read somewhere that the Run Like Mad song was actually written for Dawson's Creek. Maybe they were like oh, burned really? once. So they were like, this is a song we are getting for D Creek, all about D Creek, D Creek only. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, if you were a music supervisor in 1998 through 1999 and would like to reach out to us with some answers, like, we're here. Call in. We're standing by. Phone lines are ready. <laughs> there is actually a landline in this recording studio. I'm looking at it. Fantastic. I'm going to call in <laughs> while I'm talking to you over Skype. Um, so after the opener, we go right into Dawson filming uh, his opus. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. And this is like classic like 90s TV uh, fake out in quotes where it's like they just show it to you like from his camera's POV. So it's like, oh, it's a spooky horror movie where Joey's on the dock and a monster grabs her. No, he was just filming it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. And then it goes into uh, Pacey. His, oh, so we, we are introduced to Pacey, right? Yes. Um, he is his... the man in the monster suit. <laughs> the man behind the monster. Um, he is Dawson's best friend, and he's playing, yes, he's playing the monster. Already Joey... there's some tension. Oh, sorry, you might have been about to say this. Never mind. No, I was just going to say Joey is the damsel in distress. Yeah, and already there's some tension between Pacey and Joey. Um, so it's sort of like right when, when Pacey grabs her into the water, they're already sort of like thrashing around and she like jumps out and is like, you grab my ass. And he kind of like flops his monster hand and is like, as if you have one. So there's yeah, already yeah, a little yeah. bit of that like, you know, but clearly they don't get along. Like, they, I guess they're just not going to be very close friends throughout the series. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should just let that go and never think about it again. Um, and they're both clearly friends with Dawson, but not friends with each other. Yes. Yeah, like, clearly that's how they connected. I'd also just like to ding this for, like, retconning in the future, because I don't think that the Joey of the rest of the series would wear the teeny tiny bikini top she's wearing in the scene for love or Agree. money. Yeah. Agree. I mean, I guess you could, like, if you wanted to, like be a real stickler for Dawson's Creek canon. You could argue that she's, like, less aware of her body because she's supposed to be 15 years old, which, like, by the way, is a swaddling baby. Swaddled? Swaddling? Mm-hmm. Swaddling? Chitlins? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a it's babe chitlins. in arms. Let's be clear. It's a babe in arms. And the a idea child, that these, yeah. like, 25-year-old actors are 15 is more laughable so than... So weird. Than, yeah. Like, I know that's a thing. I think people are getting a little bit better about it these days, like, slightly, slightly, slightly. But, like, just knowing that they're supposed to be 15... I know. Even 16 would be something. I was thinking about this the other day. I think that uh, Glee actually had a lot to do with the, um, like, getting the actors that are playing those parts closer to the actual age of the parts. Um, Just because I feel like after, like, the people that were on Glee seemed like infants, but they really were, some of them, most of them. Like, I know that show was cursed and, like, weird and whatever, but I think that they had a lot to do with, like, putting us on a schedule of... No, setting a precedent for having younger actors play younger parts, which doesn't matter to me as an old person, but as a 15-year-old, it would have been great to see what other 15-year-olds look like right. and not a 25-year-old model. Well, not to be <laughs> but... like, I just turned 15, why don't I have huge boobs and like, why do right. I still have acne? Yeah, why am I built like a column of flesh? <laughs> 
In my case, it was just genetic, but, you know, some people blo- blo- blossom. Bloom, blossom. Anyway. <laughs> Column of flesh. Sorry, I'm still, that's very poetic. I've got to jot that down for a future <laughs> ode to you that I'm writing. <laughs> um, anyway, stop the clock because we're introduced to uh, an incredible character who literally pulls up in a yellow cab direct from New York City. Because <laughs> that's, that's so true. You- I never even thought of that. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> she took the cab the whole way. Of course. It was a very, it was like a French, fresh, French prince? Fresh prince of Bel-Air move. <laughs> it was the French prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah. So this is definitely like freeze frame, like record scratch. We have our three established mm-hmm, friends who mm-hmm, clearly mm-hmm. have a relationship. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble to shake up things on the creek. In the form of Jennifer Lindley. So, you know, you might be like, God, this is going to be like a femme fatale who's going to, like, slink her way out of this cab. To clarify, (laughs) it's a young, baby-faced woman in, like, a yellow sundress that reminds me of something I wore to a wedding when I was, like, nine and a half, who clomps over to them with the rolling (laughs) gait of a seasoned cowboy. (laughs) So, just to clarify, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, like absolutely gorgeous, but walking like she's been programmed to walk, like someone made her do this who's never seen walking before. And on this viewing, I did notice she's wearing these incredible strappy but like um, platformed 90s sandals that I have definitely attempted to walk in. And if I didn't know better, I would say that's why she's walking that way. But as we will learn, that is just her modus operandi. (laughs) That's just how she do. Does she walk like that in like her Oscar winning roles? Or I wonder if she had like a coach who like spent hours with her. Her, like, teaching here's her. You walk. Here's how you walk. Move your body. Like uh, a miscongeniality type thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Michelle Williams, and she's incredibly gorgeous and has a silly little walk that we like to make fun of. Um, uh, she also has like a really, yeah, everything about her is so soft in this first scene. Like the dress is short, but like, yeah, like grandma floral. Her hair is sort of teased and also comes into a, like a, a, a flip at mm-hmm, the bottom, sort mm-hmm. of a, uh, I dream of Jeannie kind of a look. And she's got like little pearl earrings. I don't know. The whole thing is so wholesome. And and I do kind of feel like that was a 90s moment of like that yeah. being a look. But it's definitely not a look that screams like I'm here to be the like wedge in this love triangle. Exactly. Uh, so Jennifer is direct from New York City, as I said. She's, well, I guess I, I won't give away Jennifer's story. We'll let it happen. Yeah. Um, but she's here to uh, to stay with her grand, her, with her grandmother, Grams, mm-hmm. and her grandfather, who has Gramps. had some kind of art heart condition, not art condition, heart He's condition. He's got an art condition, a fatal one. He Van Gogh'd himself <laughs> real good. Um, <clears throat> yes, and we get this because Dawson says, oh, the granddaughter from New York, you look different. And, you know, Joey is instantly like, this is so shaking pissed. with her worldview, exactly. And she goes, puberty. Hi, I'm Joey. We've literally never met. I might have thrown in the literally, but it's something like that. But yeah, this whole conversation, you can see the rage horniness building and building, <laughs> yeah. and then it just attacks. Yep, absolutely. And I would argue maybe a little bisexual confusion, by panic, perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just saying, it's not not happening. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's a confusing time for a young, angry, horny bisexual. <laughs> also, in the beginning of the show, Dawson, uh, Joey says to Dawson that high school starts tomorrow. So Jen is arriving the day before high school. Bummer. Yeah, that's rough. That's a quick turnaround. Anyway. That's true. And later Dawson asks if she's going to be staying the whole school year. And she's like, oh, it's up to my grams or something like that. So like her whole life is in like totally up the air. And like as of now, we don't understand why that would be. 
I know. People are just playing with this girl's life. Such a shame. Well, and everyone takes it so at face value when she's like, oh, my grandfather, like, whatever she says, like, had a heart condition, something about his aorta. And, yep. like, I'm here to help out. Like, I think that was normal in, like, prairie times, but I don't know if it's, like, a thing in the 90s to be like, let's send our young child to go help care for an elderly man. Right. Right. By herself. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Speaking of things that do or don't make sense, uh, our next scene takes us back to Dawson's house where we hear some mysterious sounds like something breaking. (laughs) I would say I would describe it as like grunting, groaning and chewing noises. Uh, And Dawson and (laughs) and Casey come around the corner (laughs) and we meet Dawson's parents, the horny parents. They're super horny. Mitch and the mom. Shit, what's her name? I called them the neck and big hair. Yeah, the neck and the hair. Uh, the neck is the dad, Mitch. And oh, the... shit. What a, uh, she has like a... It's not great. Lynn? No. Fudge. Oh, God. Take me now. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. I'm trying to. If it's Lynn, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Gail. 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 Okay, Mitch and Gail. Uh, and I do think it's funny that in the first scene, they do catch, so um, uh, Dawson's mom is like a local news reporter, and already right off that first scene, Joey and Pacey were, com- I'm sorry, Joey and Dawson were commenting on her big hair, so it's not just us, she's known for her giant voluminous hair. Yeah, yeah, and it's getting bigger all the time, according to Dawson. <laughs> but in this scene, Pacey and Dawson walk in on Mitch and Gail Mackin. On the on the coffee table, which does not look comfortable. It's like a wicker coffee table. I'm surprised. Yeah. Well, I do like the image of like of Gail, like white silk slip on top on a wicker coffee table, <laughs> hair up, tits up, ready to go, <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, nothing like uh, doing it on a thing that's wicker. Am I right, ladies? Absolutely. And like, if you haven't figured it out from us calling him the neck, her husband Mitch has a very large, veiny, muscular neck. It's thick. Much it's thicker than thick. Dawson's penis. <laughs> oh, God. When will I get to die? <laughs> but this does introduce, like, that's, I would say, one of their main, like, characteristics, especially for the first season, is that his parents are horny for each other and, like, very Super in love. Horny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't keep their hands off each other, despite the fact that Dawson is really old. Whatever. I mean, like, never mind. Whatever. <laughs> it, it means they've they've had a lot of staying power in their boners for each other. If they have a right. 15-year-old son and they still, like, have to boink on the coffee table. Exactly. Okay, yeah. We should That's all be so lucky. Oof. Am I right? Immediately after that scene, uh, we get to see Joey, exactly how Joey gets to and from Dawson's house, which is, yes, you guessed it, on a rowboat. <laughs> Fun fact. Katie Holmes was never rowing that boat. They have a little rope below it, and the crew is pulling her through the water. That is such a fun fact. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, and then after that, what follows, after we establish that uh, Joey gets around by a rowboat, which I will just never get over. (laughs) Jealous. I will be honest, jealous. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's very sweet, but it's also like, what is this, the fucking Shire? (laughs) Like, okay. We get a little scene of Joey, um, full tits out, by the way, still in the bikini top. Oh, yeah. Talking, talking to Bodie because she lives in this Sorry. Blah, 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 blah. She lives in a house with her uh, older sister and her husband, Bodie. Her uh, sister's, sister's name, husband. Yeah. Yeah. The sister's name is. Beth. Something. Beth. Beth, I think, with S's. 
Bass. Yeah. Yes. Bassy. Um, and I think Bodhi- this is like pretty much the first, I think the first hint you get of her like of her home life. I don't think you know up till now that she doesn't live with her parents, that her um, sister has is pregnant by her black boyfriend as is very, made very explicit later. Yeah, they say it a bunch of times. And like that, like like in a very, like black is very like explosive in the way that they mm-hmm. say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tragically, Bodie, I believe is at least recast once. I think maybe twice. Maybe even twice, I would say. This one definitely. I... Oh, go ahead. Well, he definitely pops in. Oh, I don't want to give anything away. He definitely pops in a couple to like, he's in a couple episodes and then he's gone for a while and then he pops in once and then he's gone again. So I feel like that middle one is somebody completely different. True. Anyway. And I'm not so mad they recast this guy because he has the most delicate elven face in a way that he I does. think. He it's, does. It's a tough sell with Bess who like, God love her. She's a very 90s face, which is like a round yeah. moon face with all of the features squished in the middle. And it's hard when you've got such, like, an elfin slim face going up against such a large round moon face. I say as a large round moon face woman. <laughs> yeah, no, agree. Uh, it just sucks that he's the literally the only black Absolutely. character we ever get. I, I think maybe even the only non-white character we ever get uh, so far. Like, yeah, at, at least for the first couple seasons. Yeah. Um, so it sucks that he is A, like barely in the show, and B, continually recast, and we're expected not to notice. Oh, yes. That is really <laughs> rough. So just in but... terms of things we learned from this, uh, Bodhi, no matter who he's played by, is a chef of some sort, because we know that because he feeds both, first he feeds Joey some sort of orange, like lemon curd looking concoction, yep. and she declares it orgasmic. Uh, and then he feeds the same thing to Bess. Spoiler alert, she also finds it orgasmic. And says so. They both use the word orgasmic. Very Sisters sexual right? family. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's all we need. Well, it's all we yeah, gleam. Yeah. Bess is just, you know, again, Bess is pregnant. Bess is giving Joey a little bit of the business. Joey's giving her some attitude. You know, it's it's tough to be raising your teenage sister. I wonder how old Bess is supposed to be. Because she looks like 39, so. <laughs> yeah, she looks, because she has to, because Joey is like 25. True, true. Uh, and she also, like, her voice has, like, a borderline southern twang. I don't remember if that yeah. goes away or not, but I kept being like, is this actress, like, from Tennessee, but trying desperately to hide it? Like, what's going on? No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but yeah, I feel like there's definitely a southern something in there. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, Joey. Anyway. <laughs> I'm also just noticing now, I, so for Zoe and I, I sort of made a guide for the episode and I copied and pasted this from like a very like Angel Fire style website. Um, and the description for this is dogs bark in the background. I wonder if they added that fully to like show she lives on the wrong side of the creek, like dogs barking, like this is the bad area of town. Nice. Uh-oh, they got dogs over here. <laughs> That's no good. Absolutely. Moving on from there, we cut to another... Oh, God, I wish we had gotten to stay. I wish we had gotten to reuse this set forever. But it's the town video store. Oh, yeah. Which was extremely relevant to me and Gabby since we both worked at independent video stores. And this is where Pacey and Dawson have an after-school job. Yes. I love the name of the store, Screenplay Video. I also noticed on this viewing that there is a naked mannequin with, like... Fil- like a camera film like wrapped all around it in a weird bondagey looking way in the front window had missed that before so oh my that's god nice. <laughs> horror of horrors um uh. yeah so we see them there at work they're working with uh this girl named nelly and pacey kind of mutters something about her under his breath and she gives an amazing speech to him uh which i don't remember any of except uh that she calls him vapor mm-hmm. which i think you mentioned is sort of a a 90s 
slam that I love. It's very brutal. I I think slash hope it is because I believe it's used in She's All That uh, when Taylor Vaughn is like doing like, I don't know, putting down the main character, uh, Lainey Boggs in that movie. <laughs> and she says, she says, you're vapor, you're spam. And so I just hope that we were just all running around calling each other vapor mm-hmm. for a couple years there. I mean, I wasn't because I was too young to do anything. Um, but yeah. And I know that scene is supposed to be there to show you that like Pacey doesn't get any respect in this town and that like he, he, this girl's a bully. But like I, I'm kind of on her side here because he makes some shitty comment about her being like too dumb to shell Forrest Gump under his breath. And she just like lays into him and is like my dad owns a video store. So yeah. I'm clearly superior to you because the elite of this town own video stores. Absolutely. She's in the most... Everything about her is so 90s too in this scene. I mean in every scene that she's in, which is not many. Yeah. But the thing she's wearing is, like, a tube top with the single string that it connects the center yes. of the tube top like, and goes around the neck. So it's like a necklace and a shirt. And she's got blonde hair with these, like, super tight ringlets that people don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And then makeup is very bare. And, like, she's sort of got, like, just – and I don't mean to shock you, but she's got, like, a light – wash of blue eyeshadow oh, on. Oh, I, I believe later she's got a purple eyeshadow that matches mm. her top, so I'm not surprised yeah. that she did that. Blue, as you know, is the color of harlots, so. Sure. That we can gleam. That's a that's a, a symbol. Sure, and amber is the color of her energy. Totally. <laughs> I also had not noticed this before, but I when I rewatched it, I noticed that as she exits the scene, there's sort of like a video, there's like a VHS um, like holding area behind uh, Pacey and Dawson, which as as video store people, that's sometimes the way that one runs a video store is to have empty boxes in front and you keep the very valuable VHSs in back. Right. Um, and as she exit, you can see, just see, like, I don't think she's even really supposed to be in the shot, but between Pacey and Dawson, you can see her sashaying back into the back room and, like, <laughs> waving a VHS over her head. Like, I don't know if she's trying to get more screen time, but it's glorious. She's sassy. That's what we, that's what we know. To the she's maxi. Sassy. Yeah. And then after we, after she exunts, um, we get. I guess at this point, we just know she's a hot lady. Well, we get the, like, the classic, like, pan up from the feet, yeah. legs. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, see yeah. yet another, like, childlike sundress that is supposed to give us a boner. <laughs> Dude, I have never worn anything this short. It is, so, it is so short. And I don't think she's wearing a bra either. So, like, God bless the 90s. Women could do what they wanted with their nipples. Mm-hmm. Vages on display. And their vages. <laughs> and then... This is where Dawson says, like, show some respect. She could be someone's mother, which is, like, a weird thing for a teen boy to say. And Pacey says, uh, I have it on excellent authority that mothers have excellent sex lives. I might have put too many excellents in there, but uh, he is on the side of mothers. And their sexuality. I exactly. mean, absolutely. So true. Proof that they don't. I mean, they're mothers, so. Exactly. You know, wank. Anyway, um, so what we learn about this person is that I believe we know her name, right? I think yeah, so. I called, her, I called her Tamara here. Yes. Yeah, so we learned that her name's Tamara. She's a new person, in, a new, yeah, a new human in town. <laughs> the new, new girl gal. in town. <laughs> um, and she conti- she proceeds to flirt with Pacey pretty openly. It's pretty outrageous. Like, both in her body language, but also just, like, they're having this veiled conversation where they're talking about the graduate She's talking about she's, like, looking for a little romance. She's, like, he's, like, you know, the new release is over there. And she's, like, I'm 100% vintage. Wink, wink, Mm -hmm. nudge, nudge, butter elbows. 
Totally. Everything she says is just dripping with honey. Mm-hmm. For him alone. For his eyes only. It's kind of funny how... Like, Dawson just, like, runs in back, grabs the graduate for her, and is like, here it is. You pay for it later. Goodbye. Get out. So it's kind of (laughs) funny that he's, like, so not convinced this is happening, even though it's pretty – like, I guess he just thinks she is just, like, toying with him. I think she says, like, she's laughing at you. But, like, Dawson is, like, clearly has no time for this, which is good because it is statutory rape. (laughs) It sure is. So for once, Dawson, good on you. Good on him. And I would have to say, like, the fact that he doesn't recognize it as flirting, which it so obviously is, I mean – I, growing up, I had a best friend that was pretty preoccupied with sex, and I would say that... (laughs) Oh, you you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only so many times you can be like, no, that person's not, like, coming in their pants or whatever. There's, no, that person's not X, Y, Z. And so I would have to assume this happens all the time. Uh, Pacey's always like, no, she wanted me, whatever. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Being like, used to being like, no. Yeah, it's weird that you hadn't thought of that. That you <laughs> <have thought. laughs> Look. <laughs> Some of us are at Joey's lo- Joey levels of rage and horniness at all times. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. All right. So Another sunset. The end of another day. Dawson is gently trotting home with VHS, VHS <laughs> tapes in hand. His hair is kind of bouncing. And he sees Jen on the on the docks. You know, he runs over to her. Again, beautiful, beautiful sunset. And they have a On con- the creek. On the creek. They have a little convo. Mostly what I got out of it is that she talks about how she doesn't do the whole God thing, which is a big character trait of Jen's, uh, that's, that she doesn't believe in God. And that's sort of a, a, a conflict with her and her grams. Totally. And this is, and I, I, just to speed through it a little bit, I, I don't think mm-hmm. anything else super important happens in that scene. Nope. Um, and, and Dawson quickly segues to, would you like to see my etchings, a.k.a. my studio, <laughs> which also, a.k.a. my bedroom, you pretentious piece of spam. I know. Just, you vapor. Exactly. <laughs> just call it your fucking bedroom, you weirdo. But he, ma- he manages to drag the poor girl up to his bedroom. <laughs> which definitely gets a re, like a makeover before the next episode. Like it's, it looks a lot rougher and more realistic in this than the next one. Like it looks like an actual cramped, dark bedroom. Yeah, there's like sh- junk everywhere. Um, and there are also Spielberg posters everywhere. And the ones that are featured on his closet door are uh, the color purple and Schindler's List, making you sure that. you hit the Holocaust and like racism and I think like rampant sex abuse in in the color purple, like in a oh. in a productive way that they're they're showing it in a healing way. <laughs> great film, great film, but it's just a rough choice for like this is where I keep my like yeah. flannel shirts behind. Exactly. But yeah, so this is where we we get more Spielberg. Um, Dawson says he believes that the answers to all life's questions can be found in a Spielberg film. And that that's a theory that he's been working on, which is very exciting that he has a theory that he's working on. I love it when guys drag me to their quote unquote studio and tell me about the theories they've been working on. Oh, uh, their 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 quote unquote studio that turns out to be their dark bedroom. Where they have like only one film director's posters on everything. <laughs> and just oh, looking man. at that bed, I can tell it smells like corn chips. Oh my god, you're so fucking right. <laughs> yes, everything smells like corn chips and mothballs, mm-hmm. and it's all that like vague '90s plaid. Absolutely. Oh, I'm gonna hurl. <laughs> I will. <laughs> just side note: Michelle Williams is like glowing in this scene. She is so gorgeous. She is really astonishingly pretty. 
And then we get some body French farce because Joey shows up. And so, like, Joey, and if we haven't mentioned it yet, there's a ladder that goes up to Dawson's room so she can just hop, skip, and jump into his bedroom. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jen is sort of leaning out the window because her grams is calling her from next door. And Joey is sort of leaning forward on the ladder so Jen can't see her. And it's creating this, like, X of bodies in a very artsy-fartsy way. Yep, absolutely. Um, And that the way that she enters the apartment by by uh i'm sorry by climbing up a paint ladder that's been left against the side of the house is like the classic way joey gets into dawson's room direct so she doesn't have to go through the rest of the house she just like squirrels in through the window yeah if memory serves his parents are like we know about it we're cool with it we are yeah like, cool confident it. sexy people <laughs> real confident sexy people also fun fact the woman calling for Jen from across the way, they had not cast Grams yet, so it's a random old woman in a Grams wig who's, like, in the porch calling for Jen. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't know that. Good good, t- good uh, fun fact. I am nothing if not a fun fact machine. <laughs> not much goes on once Jen leaves and Joey makes her way in, but I do love that Joey refers to Dawson's dad as the perfect male specimen. Also, because Pacey was kind of giving his mom bedroom eyes earlier when they caught them and being like, you know, I like the new hair. So I like that it's kind of seems to be established right off that Pacey and Joey independently have boners for Dawson's parents. <laughs> yeah, well, both their parents suck. True, or are dead. Or are dead. But we don't know that yet, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm breaking the rule. Yes, yeah, so we're in Dawson's bedroom still. Uh, we Jen can't escape. Left. We can't escape. No one can. And this is where Dawson says, asks Joey in sort of a flippant way, do you think my mom's having an affair? He's mm-hmm. watching a clip of her. I don't know if we already said that. He's watching yep. a clip of his mom because um, she's a news anchor. And it's her co-anchor that he suspects she might be getting the hot beef injection from. That's right. And he says it's because, like, her uh, her bees are too soft. Like, she's being too flirty on air. Yes. He, like, replays the sound clip of her saying, back to you, Bob, like, a hundred <laughs> times. Like, a very serial killer move. I know. Like, if uh, if he was holding, like, a glass, he would have shattered it. With Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. And his eyes are so scary. And again, we come to this theme that comes up a couple times where Joey's like, you're just looking for, like, conflict for your script. Like, your life is so perfect. You're just looking for something, like, you know, yeah. to, to be a source of conflict and narrative. Mm-hmm. Which I think last time we discussed this, you said is, like, a like an overarching theme for Dawson. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of people who do have conflict in their life, we cut back over to Graham's house where uh, Jen is visiting with her grandpa who's sleeping in his bed. He's had this like heart surgery. Fun fact, this was Michelle Williams' audition scene. And he talked about how a lot of people played it real brassy, but she came in and was like, sort of just sat quietly and you could see that she was just like devastated that her grandfather was sick and like that's what sold him on her. He Aww. called her like a broken bird, which is kind of crazy, but <laughs> like a, a, little cre- a little creepy. But also for the record, the guy playing her grandpa is like a 40-year-old community theater actor in a freight wig. Like it's not an old man. He is definitively <laughs> not old. Nice. I love that. Love that about him. Um, I don't think I have too much to say about this scene other than Graham's doesn't. Oh, oh, this is where we find out that um, Jen is an atheist. Right. Well, she mentioned to Dawson earlier that she doesn't do the the God thing. But yeah, it definitely comes up with Graham's. Well, it's weird because when Graham's walks in and she's like holding her grandpa's hand while he's sleeping there, she already seems like suspicious. Like Graham's is doing something bad to him. So clearly like. 
Graham's already has some preconceived notions about Jen. But yeah, they have this conversation at at breakfast where she's talking about how Dawson is trouble. Um, she actually says that boy is trouble, and like world weary Jen is like, aren't they all? Mm. Which establishes her <laughs> being like forty. And again, Grams is talking about how she and he and Joey are like the wrong element, the damn Dawson's River kids sleeping in each other's beds. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that and then that sort of leads into this conversation where she wants her to say grace. Yeah, and she will not do it, um, which Grams, that's one of Grams defining things in the beginning is that she's very religious from. And so after Jen drops the I don't love church and Bible and this prayer stuff bomb, uh, we get a segue with I get knocked down, but I get up again, blasting in the background. I believe my, my note I wrote was Graham's I'm an atheist and straight into tub thumping. Thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. Like a perfect moment. Um, which is kind of funny because it's like, I guess on the side of Graham's, it's like Graham's got knocked down, but Graham's will get back up again. Yeah, goddamn right she will. <laughs> We're on the side of Graham's in that moment. And then here we are at high school. Uh, you know, various establishing shots with, like, you know, books and whatever, people being teenagers. You could almost lift this and just put it into Buffy or, like, the, yeah. one of the other WB shows, and it would look exactly the same. There's probably it's no Ted something. <laughs> right. It's the same shit. And we start out with Jen and the girl from the video store. I do not remember her name. Her name is Nellie. And the first time I watched through, I was like, Nellie? Like, like Nellie Olsen in uh, A Little House on the Prairie? And then she literally says her name is Nellie Olsen, that her parents were in A Little House on the Prairie. So, good job, me. <laughs> which, is, which is funny, because she's, like, uh, like, a huge hoe, you know? Well, that, because Nellie was, like, the mean girl who, like, liked pretty things and was the bully. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then Nellie asks Jen uh, if she parties. It's great because she's like, how's your grandpa? He's still on the prayer list at church. You party? Do you party? And just like, what do you mean by party? Do you mean do I like to have a fun time or do I like to smoke alcohol and take drugs? Uh, <laughs> smoke and drink alcohol. Drugs. <laughs> and we find out that Jen doesn't smoke alcohol, uh, but she does like to have a good time, but that's not cool. I just, why would Nellie even bother to ask if she likes to party? Jen is wearing a skirt and a polo. <laughs> like, she clearly doesn't like to party. I know, I know. Well, and like, I, Nellie is wearing the international, another international symbol besides blue eyeliner. She, uh, the international symbol of sluttiness in the 90s. Um, uh, spaghetti straps. Oh, so. God. Get her. Forget it. Get me to a nunnery. <laughs> Forget it. She's dirty. She's a dirty girl. I think this is also where her eyeshadow matches her shirt, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a pale, a pale uh, purple. Uh, so I think she sort of abandons poor Jen, and, and Dawson walks over, and Jen is like, God, I need a cigarette. And Dawson's like, oh, do you smoke? And she's like, I quit. I'm just a little tense. Like, again, these are children. She's talking like a 40-year-old businesswoman who just got back from, like, a high-powered trip to Tokyo. I don't know what's happening. I know. I know. This is the beginning of Jen being not only, like, wise beyond her years, but having experienced experiences that are far, uh, like, far more severe than she possibly could have done them. Like when she comes, we're, we're sophomores here. Right. So yeah, we're between 15 to 16. By the time she makes it to Cape side, she's like lost her virginity. She's like done all kinds of bad stuff, but she's still a child. Yeah. I don't know. So like, when were you, I don't know, snorting meth off of the subway <laughs> when you were 13. Right. Uh, anyway, 
So that happens. Then we go, then it's, we just have a quick scene where Pacey realizes that Tamara, the woman he was hitting on in the video store, is his new English teacher. Another great music transition. She, like, comes in the classroom and slams the door and Tud Thumping, like, cuts out really suddenly. Like, now it's serious. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Still wearing, uh, like, a white silk look, which I appreciate. She's got a brand that she sticks to. Yeah. I mean, Tamara has a slamming bod. Like, oh, absolutely. I don't... Don't blame Pacey uh, for eyeing it, but unfortunately... It's yeah, a crime. It's a crime. <laughs> also, when she walks in, Pacey is, like, walking around by himself with a book balanced on his head, and it's like, I know exactly the style mm. of, like, no offense to anyone, but I-, I believe this would be someone who would have an ADHD diagnosis now, who's just, like, by himself <laughs> balancing a book yeah. on his head walking around in the classroom. Like, an- I know and love this person. That's some 15-year-old real- yes, realness, exactly. I feel. Like, That's I think, definitely... I think a couple of years ago, he was smelling the, like, fruit-scented markers and getting the marks all over his <laughs> nose. Yeah. In a charming um, way. In a charming way, but yeah. <clears throat> I also noticed on this watching, just right as we were leaving the scene, that uh, when t- uh, Tamara goes to sit down at her desk, there's a handmade scarlet letter poster behind her, which I think is pretty <gasps> on point. Fascinating. Fascinating. I can't imagine why that would be on point, but I can't wait to find out. Cannot wait. <laughs> then Dawson goes to the film, what we will later find out is like the film teacher's uh, or, like, film club. I don't even know if it's class. Yeah, it's a It class. must be, because he's complaining that he didn't get in. Like, earlier, he was like, they messed up my schedule. Yeah. Uh, and it, the for some reason, the teacher won't let him in. Will not let him in because he's a, a uh, whatever, a child. It starts, too... it starts this long pattern in Dawson's Creek where there are just people who exist to be an obstacle to the characters in Dawson's Creek and for no reason are so obstinate and like they always become like they always win the characters grudging respect because they for no reason take a hard stance against them and block them at every opportunity. You're so that's so true especially with Dawson because the thing about Dawson that's supposed to be enticing is his passion like a lot of his character is built on how passionate he is about film and so a lot of these characters are people in the way of him becoming an incredible film star and yeah he's like it's specifically here that's what's that's what's happening here where he's like arguing with his teacher about not being let in this class and there's no reason like there's really no reason why he couldn't be in the class absolutely but this teacher just exists to, like, dull his flame for some reason, where he's just like, nah, I don't think so, You're buddy. You're going to have to really prove yourself and show me that I'm wrong by your passion Why? and dedication. Also, by Why? knowing about Psycho. Like, that's impressive. Just knowing about one of the most famous films ever for film nerds. And um, there is one thing that Dawson, Dawson says in this scene where uh, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I know this movie. It's Psycho. And then he says, little known fact. <laughs> It's almost like he's a fun fact machine. Like, prompted by nothing. It's just like, a little known fact. And I just, that, again, that is, um, that's some 15, 15 year old realness where it was like, it's like, nobody cares about your little known fact. Absolutely. We also, we cut to a scene then where we learn a little known fact as uh, Jen and Joey were in a class together and as they barrel on out of there, Jen is trying to like wholeheartedly bond with Joey and Joey is like, no offense, but your grandma's cracked. She reveals that her dad is in prison for trying to traffic marijuana. This is where she drops the like, my sister is pregnant by her black boyfriend bomb. Very hard (laughs) bees. And most key of all to her character, my mom's dead. (laughs) My mom's dead, by the way. Absolutely crucial to Joey's character. Her mom is absolutely dead. Yeah, which will come up again. Don't worry. (laughs) 
But yeah, uh, Jen is continually trying to reach out and be Joey's friend. Joey wants absolutely nothing to do with her for no reason that I can think of other than some attraction. There's but a she's lot of sexual with. energy flying around. So... But Jen is having a little more luck with Dawson in the cafeteria. They're playing this game where they're kind of looking at people and making up stories about them. The one that I caught was Dawson says that like a random woman in a quote unquote black dress. I don't know who is in a high school cafeteria in a black dress likes to get drunk on cheap wine and run through the town with her skirt over her head. Uh, and then Jen adds like this very innocent because it keeps saying like Dawson provides something and Jen adds something and she just adds while singing Neil Diamond songs. So like clearly <laughs> Jen is a creative innocent diamond. Speaking of diamonds, mm-hmm. and from there we just have Dawson reaching out to Jen to be like, hey, can you uh, do punch up on my script or whatever? Because I'm having a quote unquote climax issue, which is classic vomit everywhere. I think Joey really has a strong reaction to that statement. <laughs> yeah, well, who wouldn't? Uh, <laughs> and so we, so jo- Jen is, um, <laughs> Joey is so mad for the entirety of that scene. Yep. So Jen is irreversibly in our lives now. She's going to be helping Dawson uh, and everybody on this video project. Yep. From there, we have like a really, like another scene with Tamara and Pacey, but it's just sort of more like vague flirting. It's so but weird she, that she doesn't shut it down now that she realizes that he is a student in her school. Like, she could lose her job. I know. Um, I, know. I would just say the key takeaway is she's got a fruit cup <clears throat> on her desk with pineapple, so she's a slut. Because <laughs> only sluts know that pineapple is supposed to make your sex fluids taste better. And there's no other reason to eat pineapple. Absolutely not. <laughs> and that she invites, or she doesn't even invite him, she just says she's going to this movie uh, at the local movie theater that night, and in a, like, in a vague enough way that he can he can interpret it as her asking him to go. Um, which sort of snowballs into him getting Dawson to invite Jen and Joey to all go together to this movie. And so then that happens, blah, blah, blah. Dawson, uh, excuse me, Dawson has to convince Joey to go. Uh, yeah, for me, there was not much else interesting in that scene. He just gets her yeah. to agree to go. I will say, I, I know we're trying to get through this, but just the scene before when uh, Pacey was talking to Dawson, he said the line, Cosmo is my savior, uh, about his uh, ability to see into the female mind. Um, I don't have the exact quote, but I think you maybe had it. Yeah, he says, Cosmo is my savior. And then he's got like, I, he says like, I have four or four is, I, I think it's three. I have three menstrually diverse sisters. Cosmo is my savior. It's a great, great little insight into An incredible line. Casey and why he's such an amazing boyfriend to all of us. I know. I wish we'd gotten to meet more of those sisters in the um, span of this series. So what true. a shame. But the sister that we get to know right now is my sister in the Lord Grahams. Uh, we're back at her house. Uh, Jen <laughs> says... Left. Trying to develop, she's like, I'm trying to develop a rapport through humor, like, I'm harmless, I swear. So they're kind of having, like, a pretty friendly conversation, which, again, I I ping for, like, let's see if this characterization of Graham stays for the rest of the season. I think they maybe backpedal a little on making her more extreme. Uh, make, making her become more extreme later on? Yeah, like, Graham's is a lot oh. harsher later. Like, she pretty quickly is like, of course you can go to the movie. Like, you just have to mm. come to church, but she's not, like, pissed about it. She's just, like, mm-hmm. a little playful. Maybe they felt that she had nowhere to go, you know? Yeah. She started out too soft, and so... 
That I think that totally makes sense. Um, but they yeah. do land. I just think two key things in the scene is that Graham's uh, references. She knows what happened in New York with Jen. So again, we're getting this hint that like we call it the Scarlet Lindley. Like Jen has this dark past of being fourteen and apparently doing unspeakable things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Jen sort of leaves it with Graham's that she will go to church with her if Graham's will say the word penis. So either way, Jen's going to this movie. We've settled that. And she will go to church if Grimes will say the word penis. That scallywag. <laughs> that scallywag. Uh, then we move on to a scene with Dawson and Mitch the Neck Leary. And all I really have to say about this scene is that I get... Uh, this is where I get the uh, alternative title to this episode that I am saying is the alternative title of this episode. And that is, what is up with all the sex? Love it. Straight and from Dawson's mouth that, to the God's ears. That's right. That's something Dawson says to Mitch uh, in a fit. And I want to know what's up with the sex. Yeah. And again, that's it's it's the weird ways that he and Joey are both interacting with puberty. And I guess it makes sense since his parents are so horny that he has kind of a weird hesitance about, about that. I mean, in this episode, everyone is trying to lay these fucking kids. Like, yeah. or not lay them per se, but lay a, like have sex around them or get Dawson's them laid parents, with each other. Get them laid with each other. Teachers are actively infiltrating our young lives. Like, yep. there's a lot of sex out there. So I do get where he's coming from, but also Dawson's just so whiny and such a baby. Like, oh, sure, it's just funny. Absolutely. <laughs> I will just say I like this peek into the mom and dad's relationship because Mitch seems to be like a stay-at-home dad. He's designing this ludicrous underwater restaurant that he's like making a diorama of with like Barbies to show how the waitresses will wear scuba gear. <laughs> and he like tells Dawson like, oh, move over. This is my foreplay watching your mom work, like watching her be the local news anchor and report on the traffic. <laughs> so to me, that's like an absolutely charming setup that they I are so that. evolved. I know. It makes me wish that they could have like worked something out, you know, with maybe, I don't know, having an open relationship, something like it seems like they're very sexually active. Yeah. Anyway, well, sorry. from what we can tell, they're very, they're very satisfied with just each other. Correct. Yes. Um, speaking of being satisfied, uh, I <laughs> would love to get a insight on how satisfied you were with uh, Joey's sister's move as Joey is leaving the house for this uh, double date of just grabbing her by the face and smearing some lipstick on her lips for her. Do you think that's like A plus makeup moves? I think that it's daring. Um, you know, to just sort of grab someone's face and just jam a bunch of, uh, like a deep cherry lipstick on them. I mean, she doesn't layer it on too well. It looks like a cream finish. So that means it's a little bit translucent and a little bit moisturizing. Not a bad choice. But I would say, you know, uh, even when I apply lipstick to myself, I have to like clean up the edges and my fingertips. So I can't, I can't imagine uh, that the application was flawless. Also, there's nothing like uh, a bare-faced 15-year-old skin with nothing on it but a bunch of, like, hastily applied lipstick. That's a look that you can take right to the bank. Absolutely. And I do think I did live that look at least once in my 15-year-old life. Yeah, we all did. We all did. This has been a makeup moment with Zoe Hyde. <laughs> Yeah. So this is sort of, we were calling us all to arms. We saw various members of this group date uh, heading out, and now they're here. They're on the dock. We get that infamous exchange where Jen is like, I like your lipstick. Like, what's it called? And Joey says something like, whore red or something. And she, and she says back to Jen, I like your hair. Or like, what number is it? So there's some quote-unquote catfight energy coming from Joey towards Jen that is totally unreciprocated from moment one. 
Yeah, this brings us to a reoccurring segment that we'll be having on this show called the Jennifer Lindley Punishment Watch. Um, because the show will inevitably just inflict random punishment on Jen. Uh, she doesn't deserve it, but she gets a lot of it. And this is a, an instance where Jen has done nothing but try and be Joey's friend, uh, reached out in every way possible, tried to be fair with her, and Joey's just going to crap all over her Absolutely. from top to bottom. Absolutely. Another thing she says just to make Jen uncomfortable is she, like, asks if she's a virgin, and she's like, because, you know, Dawson's a virgin, and, you know, two virgins makes her a very clumsy first encounter, which, like, fair but mean mean and she doesn't she is herself a virgin so these are things that joey herself it's not even like she's judging jen for not having experience because she doesn't have experience either it's like purely to get a rise out of her which joey does this other times in the series she loves to like pretend like she's badder than she is when she's cornered yeah well she's so full of beans in this in the scene because then you know jen tries to turn she's a bean factory uh, jen tries to turn around a little bit and is like well what about you are you a virgin and or like you know did you lose your virginity and joey is like oh years ago trucker named bubba like she's just like firing on all cylinders here yeah, she paints this ridiculous, like, story. I just want to everyone quickly, I just want to quickly say there's a sign behind them on the boardwalk that just says in giant letters, Brown's Burgers, and then in small letters, and gifts. So there's a burger <laughs> shop slash gift shop. I would love yeah. to check that out. And we exit that seat with a little playful pan flute as we go into the theater. <laughs> and here we are inside the theater. Guess who's there? Uh, Tamara. Tamara, uh, Pacey, like, immediately leaves to go sit with her. Because she's wearing a drapey sweater that's, like, over her shoulders with, like, a matching, it's, like, basically a pantsuit. So that's so arousing. He has to go over there. Yeah, how could you possibly ignore that? There's definitely a guy in full overalls behind her, BTW, in that scene. <laughs> Look, 98 was a confusing time. <laughs> so, for us all. And I do, so Joey's been a nightmare, but she has to sit next to dot like dawson's in the middle joey's on one or no jen's in the middle joey's on one side and dawson's on the other side which like bad thinking dawson because he just left joey there to torture jen yeah but she has to just watch while dawson tries to like hold someone's hand like i don't know if i would necessarily want to sit with you in a theater and watch you try and hold someone's hand why not because i'm desperately aroused you're by jealous you. yeah exactly but in a <laughs> in an alternate universe where i didn't crave your body I would still be a little hesitant to just sit there and watch you, like, rub your sweaty hand on your pant leg and try to make your move. First of all, I told you never to bring up my overly sweaty hands. <laughs> Second of all, I mean, it's a, this is why, like, group dates don't really work, especially, like, a first group date. It has never worked in the history of time. I know, like, teens go on them a lot for obvious reasons, right. but, like... I mean, I've been on my... Good... I've been on some... I believe I saw the film Hidalgo in, like, a weird group date situation. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely not a good idea if you, like, are at this level of dating puberty-ishness. Yeah. So it's a bad idea all around. The only reason Dawson does it is so it's not really – so he can, like, pretend it's not really a date. Right. So he's, like, taking her out without actually asking her out. Yes, absolutely. Boo. And you know who's on a group date without realizing it? Pacey. Because he goes over mm-hmm. to Tamara and he's, like – Hey, like, I'm here, and (laughs) what's up? This is where, for some reason, this is when she realizes it's gone too far. And immediately, like, her body language is like, uh oh. And she's like, you know, he's like, I came with my friends, and she's like, oh, good, good, good. And she has a date who comes over. Just Pacey's not picking up on these signals. Like, she's clearly freaked Mm -hmm. out. This other guy comes over and is like, you know, who's this kid? And Pacey is like, this guy bothering you. And it's just like, Pacey is not 
picking up what's being put down, but he is picking yeah. up a fist in his face because the the guy someone punches him. There's some sort of scuffle, like someone spills their popcorn in this fight, uh, and yeah, I, face he gets punched. I think the date, yeah, like, throws his popcorn on Pacey, and then Pacey punches the guy or something like that. Well, Pacey's the one who gets punched. Right. Then I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it might be sort of, I just watched it. It's like a body French first thing where, like, he has, like, push shovesies with the guy, and they, yeah. like, bump a guy who's behind them. And I think this, like, yeah. third party. and that guy gets involved. And punches yeah. Pacey. Totally. So things are not coming to physical blows at the other side of the theater, but they are coming to emotional ones, and... Dawson has to drag Joey out of the theater because that's how bad she's being. Like, a bad small child who needs to be removed bodily from this uh, this film, which I believe we decided is Waiting for Guffman. Yeah, Waiting for Guffman. Yeah, th- again, here we begin a theme with Joey wherein she's upset, A, upset, and B, trying to explain why she's upset using words that don't, connect or mean much of anything yeah she goes back to the theme of like dawson you don't think like your life is like a fairy tale and like you i i yeah sort of that back to that theme but then she goes off into like saying the stuff about like all i do is understand i'm tired of understanding which like totally lost me what it doesn't mean anything that's the part where yeah because he's like i like jen i thought you would understand and she's like i understand i'm tired of understanding uh, and like, like Dawson seems to at least somewhat understand what she's talking about and not be totally mystified the way that we are. Yeah, but I sure am mystified. I mean, like it's clear that she has some sort of feelings for him that she can't express, but but the fact that he's okay with her being mad at him for that, I don't know. It's like a lot of layers of, yeah. of what's happening again? Like, it almost gets uh, a pass for me because teenagers are clinically insane. So like I could yeah. see myself being that uh disjointed in my feelings communication but still i know well that's why it 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 needs like a legitimacy to it it needs something to legitimize it because otherwise it it is very realistic but i need to know that that's what we're playing off of because he seems to understand what she's saying and i absolutely do not like he doesn't get mad at her for not making sense do you know what i mean yeah 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 anyway so this is the end of the date pace has been punched there's been this big blow-up fight i think we're all gonna go home now Let's all go home. Uh, so Dawson takes Jen back to Grams's house, and I, I think he goes in for the kiss and gets rejected. And it's actually the most charming moment, in my opinion, for him, because he literally does the L on the forehead mo- like movement. Like, he L's his own forehead, and his big floppy mm-hmm. sleeve, like, slaps him in the face as he does it. Yeah. Uh, but then again, they talk about it in a very confusing way. Like, Jen says something like, I know I have no control in the universe or something like that. And and Dawson says, I pulled the pin, I tossed the grenade. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that means. Unclear. Bas- uh, I guess meaning that he went in, he like played his hand. Right, he went in for the kiss and that was not... And- yeah. yeah, which is, I mean, it's good that he's not, like, blaming her for not wanting to kiss him, but uh-huh. they kind of leave it as, like, she's, like, you know, um, she kind of lists the things that she likes about him. He's cool. He's talented. Whatever. She says, like, you got <laughs> clear skin, big plus, which, like, yes, for a teenager, that's a BFD. Um, and she, she again, is going back to this New York idea. She says, like, things were not great in New York, and they're kind of scary now, so, like, thank you for being my friend. Yeah, the the clear skin thing is I because I watch her say you have clear skin, and I know that this person is in her twenties, but Michelle Williams is as we've established so beautiful, um, and her skin it doesn't even look like real human skin. It looks like it looks like what's covering 
those animals in the dark crystal. Like, she looks very <laughs> dark crystally. Yeah. Like, fake almost, but like a Weta Works fake. Like, very realistic, but not quite real. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for her to be like, I'm so glad you're not a pimpled monster. It's like, no one should touch you ever. You're perfect. And like, spoiler alert for the season, for the series, I don't think anyone who deserves her is ever going to touch her on the show. No, 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 no. And again, then we take another, like, veer into confusing, because she says, I'm just going to pretend we kissed, okay, as she walks inside. I don't know if that means, like, pretend as in, like, so you won't be mad about it, or, like, I want to kiss you, I'm just not ready, so, like, let's just pretend we did. I'm I'm right. unclear what that means. Yeah, me too. She is confusing. Maybe it means, like, uh, you know, uh, sort of, there'll be another date, like, we're, I'm in. Yeah. I, I, I can I see it being that, but I, I, I've still... Let's see what, well, you know what? Let's see what happens next week. We'll find out what it means. You're so right. You're so right. Things are also confusing on the docks where Pacey is just walking with his poor busted up eye and he happens to run into Tamara again. This is when I realized that this is a pantsuit and lost my mind. Um, <laughs> but he comes in hot. He's like, you know what? You can pretend it was a misunderstanding, but like you were looking for like a young virile boy such as myself. Like you're on the fit, you know, you're hot, you're on the edge of 40, you wanted to make the aging process more bearable, and it like made you feel good about yourself that I was into you. And this turns her on. <laughs> yeah. Six to midnight for sure. <laughs> I, her line is, You're wrong about one thing, Pacey. You're not a boy. And then she sucks his face face hard he's got a huge shiner by the way from this uh altercation that he got in at the movie theater which only serves to make him more impossibly masculine absolutely and his like his covered up acne also helps yeah yeah we, we're we gonna really that acne, yeah. we're really gonna focus in on joshua jackson's acne joshua if you're listening we do this because it makes us feel so connected to you yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you to know that we notice the little things if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, for sure. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they are straight up making out. Uh, Tamara is a statutory rapist. Cool, 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 And she does pull away and is like, oh, my God, I've made a mistake. I'm sorry, and, like, runs away. But it's like, Tamara, I don't know what's happening in, in your life, but you need to get control of yourself. Like, you're you're flushing your... I mean, you're a criminal now, so maybe I shouldn't be giving you advice, but, like, wow. I know. We need to take hold. Yeah. Big time wow. First of all, it's the first day of school. Yep. Second of all, she's new in town, so, like, what's her backstory? And I will say, I don't remember. I Well, I don't, I, I mean, maybe we find out in another episode. I don't think we find out in this one, but, like... New in town, first day of school, she already can't keep her hands off a young man. It's like, what are you running from, T? Yeah. What's up? What's up with you and your past classes, girl? It's hard for me to picture a scenario where this is happening where she doesn't have a history of insane trauma or current drug use. Like, that's not (laughs) the story in the show, but that is the only way I could see someone behaving like this or, like, serious mental illness. I know. She's just hot for that sweet 15-year-old dick. Think about a 15-year-old you know, audience. Like, that shit ain't hot. Close your eyes. Imagine a 15-year-old boy that you've seen ever. And then don't go any further because you'll puke if you try and think about them (laughs) in a sexual context. Because, like, physically and emotionally, boys develop slower. So they're, like, 13. Exactly. They're legitimate babies. Uh, I'm going to vomit. Anyway, so that happened. It was horrible. Uh, in the next scene, we're in Dawson's bedroom again, and Joey is surprised, just hanging out in the closet. Like Dawson totally walks into his casual, bedroom. Totally casual, normal move, <laughs> clutching his oh. ET doll in his closet. 
opens the closet and bing bong there's joey like crouched like a weird little golem hiding it yep <laughs> hiding clutching the et doll absolutely and i do kind of like the way that this fight resolves itself it's still confusing it's they keep saying it's complicated and i agree because i can't follow it at all but i do like that she's yeah. just kind of like i freaked out and she's he's like you know talk to me i don't know it's nice. No, I like it too. I, I do. I appreciate that. I can appreciate that these two characters have a complicated friendship that has been like friendship slash maybe more for many years now. And now things are getting complicated because they're coming of dating age. And I can appreciate that that is hard to put into words yeah. as to why that might be complicated because she herself, Joey herself says, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be the one holding your hand. I just didn't want anyone else to do it, which I feel is very revealing Yeah, of like, I don't necessarily want to, like, grasp what it would mean to date you or be your girlfriend. I just know that I'm not ready for you to do that with somebody else. Definitely. And that is so relatable to me as a person yep. where you're just not ready to take that next step. But but you're just not ready for anything. You're not ready at all. But life moves on without you. And I think that that is kind of what's encapsulated in this argument slash makeup slash. Yeah. Know. Well, it's weird because they make up, but she's still like, you know, I was right. Things have to change. And he kind of pushes back and is like, no, they don't. Like, we can still be best friends. And she says, OK, well, great. Then tell me when you walk your dog. Uh, I believe this was a studio note. They couldn't really use any real jerking off metaphor. So they came up with walk your dog. If you met, and I think earlier, like Dawson said it to Pacey, like go home and walk your dog to like vent your mm-hmm. sexual frustration and don't try and flirt with your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting the way that youths might make up a metaphor for masturbation, like walk your dog or like pancaking as like a <laughs> random example unbased in our lives. Yeah. Never heard of that before. But that's sort of the breaking point where she's, you know, like, like what time? When, when do you do it? What do you do it to? When do you walk your dog? Yeah. And he can't answer. Yeah, he's unwilling to give her that. Like, and it... Inside info. And it's so funny because, like, I get what... I kind of get what it means. It's still confusing Dawson's Creek emotional logic. But I, I kind of get what it means. But the gravitas of it is a little funny because it's like, he's like, I can't tell you when I masturbate. And this, like, sad... It's not Sarah McLaughlin, but it's Sarah McLaughlin-esque song yeah. comes in and it's like, he can't tell her when he ma- when he masturbates. And she, like, <laughs> sadly walks out. She's crying on her way to her boat. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's exactly as you say. The gravitas is really silly, but, like, I get it. I get what it represents. That means that, like, things are changing no matter what, and that's sad. But, yeah, the fact, first of all, the fact that it's, they're saying, what time do you walk your dog is ridiculous. And then yep. the additional meaning of what time do you, like, do you jerk it is <laughs> it's also ridiculous. But, so, uh, he can't give her that information, so Joey turns around, you know, uh, depressedly crawls through the window, crawls down the down the uh, the painting ladder, yep. gets back in her boat. You see him struggling with himself, like, banging his Ugh. head against this closet door. <laughs> and then, just as she's about to push off the bow and, and, you know, end this night, he comes to the door, he comes to the window and he says, hey, Joey. And she says, what? And he says... I don't have the quote. <laughs> I think it's like in the morning to Katie Couric. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And the it. music the swells. Like it's been like and musical she... and then the lyrics come in. Yes. And her face, Joey's face breaks into a huge smile. Yes. And she laughs and we're all friends again. And she gets back on the, she pushes the boat off of the dock. It's and so triumphant. I also love that she so. gets to have real teeth. Like I don't think that would fly on TV these days. Like they're not crazy, yeah. but they're like not perfect veneers which i love totally you're like in her yeah. mouth when she smiles yeah and you can see that the yeah the bottom ones are like a little janky yeah no i really like that too appreciate that so you think um, maybe the episode is over the boat floats away and then 
Joey catches something out of the corner of her eye. What, what does she see <laughs> over there, Zoe? Uh, is that is that Gail, pa- Dawson's mom, making out with her co-worker, her co-anchor? Yeah, so first you just yes, see the back is. of Kale's head, and then she's, so she's making out with someone, and she pulls away, and you see it's another thick-necked man, but it is not Mitch. <laughs> it is not Mitch at all. And, like, the music kind of, I think the music drops away, and she kind of glances up and sees that Dawson has gone inside, so he didn't catch this, and she sort of floats out of frame. <laughs> floats out of frame. <laughs> I can tell also my original notes. I was getting tired when this finished. My last note on this after this moment is, and the final intrusion of reality, Dawson's fairy tale is about to end. Oh, shit. Wah, 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 wah. But I do think that's kind of the thing. This whole episode is them being like, totally. your life is a fairy tale. Your life is perfect. You're always looking for conflict because you have this like picture perfect life. He admits that his life is like amazing, which is a weird thing mm-hmm. to say. But like, <laughs> it feels like that's why they chose to start the show now because they're like, when does this change? Like, this is something starting. Not only is his relationship with Joey changing, but like mm-hmm. this idyllic life is changing. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, the carefreeness of childhood is about to be over for Dawson yeah. and... And that's where we join our our heroes and heroines. So we'll see you next week. Uh, a couple things I want to check in on. We, we're going to do a last picture show segment. So we're just checking in on the movies we saw in this episode. The movie's actually being viewed in real time. We're E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So shout out to uh, Spielberg. He's going to be an ongoing theme. Trust me. And <laughs> Waiting for Guffman at the theater. We also saw some references to Forrest Gump, The Graduate, Schindler's List, The Color Purple. There were some other ones in his bedroom, but we can go more into those later. Also, The Summer of 42, which is another older woman, young boy, statutory rape romance. Uh, I watched the preview online. Wow. It is the 70s, mm. up the wazoo. I recommend lots of freeze frames, lots of uh, like Vaseline lenses. Oh, love those. So would you like to check in on the Jen Lindley punishment watch? Like, I, just sort of round it out for us. What did, what did we see? <laughs> I would love to. So in this episode, we actually got a lot of Jen Lindley punishment because this is the the first episode. This is where Jen gets uh, introduced. But basically what we have here is somebody that has been that has recently come from New York City under what under what purpose we know not uh, but she's definitely out of far away from home she's living with her elderly grandmother and her dying grandfather the grandmother is extremely religious while jen is not that's probably not going to be a problem at any time <laughs> meanwhile the da- the dad is the dad the grandfather is uh slowly declining in his health and well-being um, not only that, but Jen it has to date and talk to Dawson, which I think we can all agree is a punishment in and of itself. In addition to that, Joey will do whatever she can to keep them apart and just in general make Jen's life really horrible, um, including casting aspersions about her virginity, uh, asking her uncomfortable questions, and just generally making sure that Jen knows that she is not welcome in at the creek, at Creekside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's wind this up with a life lesson. Um, Steven Spielberg might not be here to answer all of life's questions for us, but what do you think is one thing you learned from this episode? Very briefly, because I have to be out of here in three minutes. <laughs> uh, I would say um, that, uh, wait, uh, things fall apart, Kokomo. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, mine is be kind, because you don't know what other people are going through. I think in Joey's mind, Jen has a perfect life. Dawson has a perfect life. Pacey, I don't know how much she knows about his life, but she's very, I think, a part of her meanness to Jen is she's like, my mom is dead, my dad's in jail, all I have is this dumb kid Dawson. Um, <laughs> but So she doesn't know like well, all, everything that's going on with Jen. And in general, she should be more kind. You don't know what's going on with people. Shove a line in the sand, but in general, be kind. That's so beautiful, Gabby. Thank you so much. 
So that has been season one, episode one of Dawson's Creek, entitled Dawson's Creek, or alternative episode title, What is Up with the Sex? Um, this is the pilot of Dawson's Creek. Thank you very much. I don't have an outro. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter and on this app that you are using. Later, we'll give you more information on following and all that good stuff. But stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more episodes. We're watching the whole season. We're watching the whole show, whether Zoe likes it or not. I'm just going to promise here and now we're going to watch every season, every episode. Zoe can uh, <laughs> Zoe can sign the checks, cash the checks my tongue is signing. I don't know what the thing is, but uh, keep listening. Yeah. Keep listening. We'll see you next time. See you around. See you around da- the creek. Dawson's Creeps, where we can't wait for our lives to be over. Bye. Bye.